Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is a Tamagotchi addict, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Feed me. No, I fed you yesterday. That's how pets work, right? Yeah, once a day. That's all you need. Yeah, there we go. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing pretty good. That's good. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the evil question. Did you do anything awesome? Uh, I did something radical. No, get out. Did you do some yeah. pure ponage? <laughs> oh, God. I uh, I dipped into a little nostalgia this week. I mean, oh, that's a nice. thing we do. That's uh, kind of this whole podcast. Yeah, right. Uh, I bought Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 for the PlayStation 4. How is it? I've been looking at that. It's awesome. Uh, nice, I, nice. I really liked particularly the first Tony Hawk game. I played two, and I really liked that as well, but uh, then I just kind of fell off the series. But I played a lot of Tony Hawk 1, and yeah. in my memory, I'm really good at that game. Uh-huh, me too. Um, and playing it now, I'm about as good as I was then. I can do all the same things, but yeah. it turns out that that's not really anything. I could see that. Is it still, like, the same formula where you have, like, two men to do all the things? Yep, it's the same thing. Cool. I mean, hey, it worked back then. It was really great, and it, you know, kickstarted Tony Hawk. Well, it didn't kickstart his career, but it really, <laughs> like, showed the world how awesome Tony Hawk is. So, I liked it. It, like, kickstarted my very, well, too long career in being a skateboard poser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same with so everybody, that, though. So that's the okay. thing. Well, that's awesome. I might have to check that out because I think it's only thirty dollars, isn't it? I don't know. It's like a thousand here. Oh right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, it's only like a thousand dollars, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a bargain. Yeah, right. You only had to trade your newborn son for it or something. <laughs> it's two games. That's only five hundred a game. What? <laughs> well, that's cool. That's cool. You know, Brandon, I was driving home from work yesterday because I started work again, which sucks but you know whatever it is what it is and um i thought to myself i said self it's getting into spooky season you know the it's my favorite time of the year much like i'm sure a lot of people where it's getting a little chillier out and it's getting like closer to halloween which is everybody's favorite season and uh then i was like oh brandon can't really relate to this (laughs) it's the opposite weather seasons over there yeah so, uh, yeah, I was just you, reveling in my awesome. When is the start of spooky season? Uh, well, it's, as of recording this right now, it's, like, early to mid-September, so I'd say right now. Like, okay. September 15th. Is there a line that you cross? I think that the line you cross is when you start closing down pools for the summer. Okay, then it's time for spooks? Yeah, once it gets down to, like, 50 degrees outside at night, I consider it spooky season. Okay, that's fair. I mean, once you get to October 1st, then it's like, it's showtime. Yeah, but, but it comes earlier and earlier every year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one year I worked at Halloween City, or Spirit Halloween, and uh, spooky season started in August, so just depends. Of course, we never got anybody in until, like, you know, September, but it was fun. Actually, that job sucked. I didn't like it at all. You'd think it'd be a lot more fun, but it wasn't. I would. I told you the story about the one time I accidentally vacuumed up a mask, though, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That was the funniest thing. <laughs> there was a mask, and its hair was dangling on the floor, and I was vacuuming, and it just sucked it right up. <laughs> it was so funny. It sucked it up so fast. 
It's a good vacuum. Oh, it was. <laughs> it was That'd very be a great surprising. Commercial for that vacuum. Just have a pile of masks on the floor. <laughs> like masks, no problem. That mask was like thirty dollars, and I ruined it. <laughs> Just sucked it right off the hook and ruined everything. It was great. Oh wow. My favorite memory of working at a Halloween store. <laughs> oh. But, you know what, Brandon? We're not here to talk about Halloween yet. I mean, we will, but we're here to talk about the zombie dice. That sounds so cool. I know, doesn't it? I was like, there's going to be some dice. They're going to create zombies. It's going to explain Night of the Living Dead. That's not what happens. No, it's a little different. What did you think about the zombie dice? Um, uh, I think it's better than the last two episodes. Okay, that's not that hard to beat. No, that's incredibly easy. Yeah. But it's not a great episode. I don't um, think so either. My thought is that this episode is like what it would be like if you took the very first five minutes of Pinball Wizard Mm -hmm. and the last 30 seconds of Pinball Wizard. But without any of that cool stuff in between where he's inside the machine. (laughs) Yeah, it does have a very pinball wizard vibe in terms of like shrinking kids. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. Spoilers. Just want to use games to steal kids. I don't know. It's the hottest thing of the 90s. I will say I like the villain. He's kind of cool. He is maybe the creepiest villain in the show, it's in an entirely different way. Yeah, he's on his own little like spectrum of of creepy in the way that a like child molester is creepy. Definitely. He's creepy in a real way. Yeah, he transcends the, are you afraid of the dark and just goes into like are you afraid of life, you know? Yeah, it's not like haha, this one of them spooky monsters. It's like no, this guy's really going to murder you in his basement. <laughs> like for real. And he did a great job. And I'm looking forward to talking about him and his smile. Because he is yes. a smiler. That is the star of the show. That smile had me like... Hmm. It takes Jim Carrey's Grinch from 2001 or whatever and just like amplifies it by 11. It's great. Yeah. I think that that is who uh, Jim Carrey was going for when he did the Grinch. Probably. A pale imitation. <laughs> we always make fun of the Grinch smile. Now it's the Mr. Click smile. But enough talk about this Mr. Click fella. I think we should just get into this episode. You ready to rip the band-aid off? Let's do it. You know, I should have said rip the band-aid off for the past two episodes, not this one, but it's too late now. Our episode starts out and we watch Andy and Quinn lifting and moving a chair, and they're both complaining that their arms are asleep and they're tired and wham wham wham. And the camera moves and we see that Van just sitting in the chair that they're lifting, and she says, Drop me anywhere, boys. So the boys drop the chair to the ground and she's all hey, because you know, I just like gives her whiplash or whatever mm-hmm. and tucker walks up saying what is this and quinn tells him that she wouldn't stop complaining till we helped her move the stuff tucker asks who Vange?" and we hear megan say no me and we turn and look and megan is sitting down on a couch and tucker's all a sofa and megan says i know they're disgusting but i do not sit on logs and tucker asks where she got it and Andy pipes up saying that there's a dump not far from here. Ugh. And Quid hands in far enough. So, a log or a rock is too gross. Ugh. Yes. You want to sit on that. Oh, but this yeah. piss-stained, shit-smeared couch from the <laughs> city dump? 
Ooh, baby. Kick your feet up on that. Yeah, and it's fabric. So when it yeah, rains. You're not wiping that off. No. I do apologize, though, Brandon. Obviously, this is supposed to be the second episode of the season, but the list on Google has it as four, so. It's impossible to know. The episode that I watched on YouTube said it was the first episode of season six, so I don't know where these orders are coming from. Honestly, I'm a little upset that these are out of order because I was thinking, oh, you know, they had three years to get their shit together, but I don't know. Maybe it's my fault. I looked on IMDb and the list said that this was the second episode on IMDb, so I don't know. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter because this doesn't that big of a deal but it's kind of nice that they acknowledge the change of furniture because we did misfortune cookie second and i was just like okay i guess i got this weird furniture now which is fine you know whatever they can update it but now we get the origin stories of the sofa yeah i was wondering from a dump of all things which i guess makes sense they're kids so yeah they're not browsing from a catalog and getting that shit no they didn't have it delivered from sears man carrying that furniture into the woods from the dump sounds like a nightmare worse than any story they could come up with at least we didn't have to watch it like anytime i'm moving or helping someone move and i have to carry something to or from a car into a house or a van or a truck yes i'm just like this is the worst this is the worst thing that exists i agree with you my least favorite thing to move is mattresses i know kiki loves moving but for me kiki's out (laughs) yeah she's busy no being good. francine on arthur it's it's a gig it's a hard yeah. gig i wish i could be francine on arthur <laughs> if only we could all be francine on arthur well he sits down and van says okay listen up my story is about games everybody loves games especially when you win losing not so hot but it doesn't really matter because it's only a game you can always play again right well heard not this one always. before i know <laughs> it's exactly like pinball wizard <laughs> Like, all it needs is Andy playing a Game Boy or something. Yeah, he's addicted. If you're going to play the game in my story, you better win. Because if you lose, you may never play another game ever again. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call the story... The Tale of the Zombie Dice. This is the exact same setup as Pinball Wizard, like, almost to a T. Which, this episode is not very similar to Pinball Wizard. Not in a good way, no. Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, you were you nailed it on the head. It's the the very beginning and the very end of Pinball Wizard with uh, nothing f- as fun in the middle. Yeah, if they went inside of an arcade game, that would be all right. That's kind of what I thought was going to happen when we got the arcade setting, but that's not what happens. And it's not bad. It's just not what I wanted. And that's no. that's fine, I guess. The tale starts and we watch some kids walking through some sort of storage area. Uh, a guy walks up to him growling. And the kid's all, whoa, I wasn't going to steal nothing. And the dude just growls and points. And we cut over to look at a room. And there's a bunch of barrels stacked up and a half circle sitting on a little table. Um, I know that description sucks, but I really don't know what this place is. That description is exactly what it is. Have you ever seen the pictures where it imitates what it looks like if you're having a like seizure or whatever, where like you can't decipher what anything actually is no okay it's not a seizure what is it uh what's the one that hits your brain and you're like whoa a stroke (laughs) yeah it's like having a stroke (laughs) well i want to see that picture it's weird because it's a picture and all like you can clearly see things but you don't 
there's you can't tell what they are. It's all just kind of blended together, and it just I don't know. It's just colors and stuff. That's kind of what this is. It's like you're having a stroke. The kid steps up to that little table, saying, "Geez, no offense, Lurch, but you're really creeping me out." And this dude opens up this half circle on the table, and it starts to glow inside. So the kid touches his thumb down on it, saying, "I want a rematch." And the light glows, and the kid's thumb gets stuck, and Lurch Dude holds up a little box, and the kid looks inside it, screaming, No! No! And a white light flashes, and then we cut scenes. Now, knowing what happens at this point, why does he hold that box up to be like, Hey, look at this? Because there's not really anything in that box. <laughs> um, I had the same thought, and I don't know. I don't know at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't. What did he see in that box that was like no? Because it's it. I'm gonna spoil it right here if that's okay. Because we kind of did already. But when you put your thumbprint on this thing, it turns you small. Why? I don't know. And when you turn small, you get put inside of the the box that this lurch guy had. His name is Klimbo, and um, there's nothing inside of it until you turn a child small, and then they are in the box in a cage. So what? he lifted up to this kid's face was an empty box that was that had bars on it so i don't know what he was screaming about he did he had he couldn't have possibly known that he was going to shrink and be put into that box i mean if somebody showed me a small box with like bars on it i would be like oh no i'm shrinking and going in that i mean it's the... that would that would be my first thought uh-huh. so i mean maybe he's just like me it's just smart. Mm, you guys are such Monica's, you know? But you know what? It doesn't really matter. This is the last time we see that kid. In fact, I didn't even put him in my notes because I don't know what his name is, so I just couldn't. No. And I'm pretty sure he dies. Well, like, it's something. Now we see some kid placing three cards on a table, and he's switching them all around saying, Where is she, the Queen of Hearts? And there's a big group of kids surrounding him. When we see another kid sitting at his desk writing notes, and he looks over and he shakes his head. The wheeling and dealing kid flips the car, the queen of hearts over and then starts shuffling her all around and tells the kid in front of him to pick one of them. It's as simple as that. And then the kid picks the middle card and it's the ace of spades. I think. I don't know. Could be the ace of clubs. And he tells him, sorry bud, how about double or nothing? And then, Brandon... Something happened that I never, ever thought was going to ever happen again. What was it? Miss Crenshaw pops up. Boom! Wasn't that nuts? I was so excited. I wasn't expecting that. Definitely. I mean, we haven't seen her since season one, and she just pops up, and she's like, Oh, you're sinking to perdition. And the kids all scatter, and gambling kid gets sent to the guidance office. And why don't we just take a moment to meet these kids? Alright. This is most of the cast so far. Yeah. The guy, the kid that's gambling, his name is Tate, which I've never met a kid named Tate before, but he's played by Scott Petrangelo, who's been in a few shorts, like Outtime, Debris, and Dirty Sexy Murder. He's also in a cartoon from this year called Corn and Peg. Really? Yeah, which is, uh, I looked it up, it's a horse and a unicorn, and it's on Nickelodeon. Probably Nick Jr. Alright, he's returning back to his Nickelodeon roots. The kid that shook his head, his name is Alex, and he's played by Jay Baruchel. Is that how you say his name? I don't know. Jay Baruchel? I don't know. Who we last saw drowning in the Tale of Dead Man's <laughs> Flow that I got yelled at for not including him. <laughs> yeah. 
Jay's been in a ton of movies, including voicing Hiccup in How to Train Your Dragon. He was in Sorcerer's Apprentice with Nicolas Cage, which I've seen that movie, didn't even know he was in it. And he does a lot of stuff with Seth Rogen, who, as far as I know, is just a laugh track. <laughs> That's apparently, I didn't see the new Lion King, the quote-unquote live-action Lion King, even though it's actually just animated, but I, I think he just laughs in it. I think he's Pumbaa, and I think he just laughs. That's his thing. An annoying laugh. He's been in How Did This Get Made, and I can't stand his episodes. He's just in the li- He's just live <laughs> laughing the whole time, and I'm just like, God, kill me. The teacher and last person I ever expected to return to the show, and honestly, she's not. Her inclusion in this episode is so short, it's literally a cameo that I probably shouldn't have included her, but I, I'm, her name is Jane Gilchrist. And we last saw her as Miss Crenshaw all the way back in season one's Tale of the Sorcerer's Apprentice, where I said she was perhaps the worst actress in the show. Remember that, Brandon? Wow, what a time. Yeah, I was so naive. <laughs> and that was after Phantom Buzz. Cab. So Yeah. I was I was just being mean to her, and I shouldn't have. I didn't know that she was coming back. So, Jane, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Jane has been in some other stuff, including in Get Smart with Steve Carell and Anne Hathaway. That's a real movie. I know it is. I actually was working at Subway um, Sandwiches when that movie came out and we promoted it. So I specifically remember the picture of Steve Carell getting like slapped in the face with a tie or something as the movie's poster. So I had to look at it for months making sandwiches. She was also in a few Christmas movies like North Pole and The Christmas Choir. And she was in a few episodes of Big Wolf on Campus as Lunch Lady. She has a very lunch lady vibe, though. Always school faculty. That's what she looks like, though. Yeah, definitely. She, she's the perfect librarian, lunch lady, science teacher looking girl. But never a principal. No. And I was going to include the growling guy, but we didn't get his name yet. So, well, I guess we didn't get any of these names, but I'll, I'll include him later. So don't you worry. Klimbo will be back. Let's go back to the episode. The door to the guidance office opens up and out walks Tate. And Alex, who was waiting outside, stands up and asks what happened. And Tate tells him it was a slap on the wrist. No sweat. And Alex is all, told you you were going to get busted, but you never listen to me. And Tate tells him that he's an old lady and if he listened to him, he'd never do anything fun. And they go back and forth a little about how Alex isn't an old lady. And Tate tells him that he's a granny until they stop. And Tate asks him when the last time is that he took a chance on anything. Like putting it out there and you might lose. And at the last second you sucked it up and kicked butt. And Alex just kind of looks at him and then gets called a granny again. And Tate walks away as Alex says that he's just cautious. And then he walks after him. So these are our these are our main characters. And uh, they have one character trait, which is one is a wheeling, dealing, taking risks kind of sweet dude that gets all the good friends and stuff. And then uh, the other one's just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and drink my soda. Yeah, one of them knows when to hold them and when to fold them. And the other one knows when to walk away. That's it. That's all they have. We cut and we see an awesome kid roll by on a skateboard and the camera pans up and we see a neon lit sign that says Clicks Emporium and there is some rockin' jams playing. There's a bunch of kids walking all over the place so you know that this place is extreme. Inside there's some laser noises as we see it's an arcade and there's a grown up delivering drinks to children like some sort of bartender. 
It's really weird. It's high C, bro. In walks Alex, who looks around, then sees Tate and smiles. And Tate's playing an arcade game, and he's got a, a crowd around him, and they're all clapping and stuff for him. It's great. And the music, it just keeps getting more tubular. I loved it. I gotta say, like, one of my greatest regrets is that I was born too late to experience the arcade scene. You know, we tried. Remember that? Yeah. Back in 2002 or 1, I'm not sure. But by the time that we, like, had a means to get there, because your oldest brother learned how to drive or whatever, it was too late. (laughs) Yeah, we missed the boat. (laughs) Yeah. By then, the local arcade actually had shut down, so we had to go to, like, the Bowling Alley's arcade, which had, what, a DDR machine and, like, I don't know, House of the Dead 2 or something. Yeah, that's about right. A claw machine, maybe. (laughs) It's too bad. I liked arcades. I mean, I never had the money for them, but I always liked the idea of them. Yeah. We see Alex sitting down, and another kid in a jean jacket looks at him saying, Tate's pretty cool. Why does a guy like you hang out with him? And Alex throws his hands up saying, what's that supposed to mean? And up walks Tate, arm in arm with a girl, saying, sodas are on me, young buds. And then walks behind Alex asking if he wants to play. And Alex says... Why? So I can lose? Gee, thanks, but no. And the bartender hands Alex a big glass of the most Mountain Dew-looking drink. Tate looks over at his girl saying, Alex doesn't like games. He doesn't take chances. He's what you call... And the kid sitting next to Alex says, A wimp! And Alex looks at him saying, Hey, nobody asked you. Why is Alex at this arcade? I don't know. I wonder if the same thing. He spends most of this episode in the arcade, but he doesn't like playing games. I'm not really sure. Um... I got two questions here, though. One, this is like video games are bad and gambling's wrong. And um, I don't know. What's up with Vance? Does she just hate technology in general? Seems that way. And two, this kid that's with Alex. Now, I don't know what his name is because they never say it. But it turns out to be Alex's brother, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't know until almost the very end of the episode. I just thought this was like a lame classmate of theirs is that your question i don't know (laughs) why you gotta shame me like that man i'm sleepy okay did you get his name on imdb no i didn't because there's two kids um that are unnamed in the episode and they're on imdb as names and i didn't know which one was which so i didn't include either one of them i think it's one of them's the kid at the beginning that puts his thumbprint on the thing and the other one is this brother but i didn't include him because i didn't know there was no like definitive way to know who he was yeah that's why you name your characters folks one of the kids that i'm i didn't name was in nothing else so i don't i don't know it could have been this kid i don't know doesn't matter though i guess well tate tells him you know what al i'll make you a bet you can't lose i bet you anything that and we look up at a clock that tells us it's six o'clock and a sign that says open until six that this place is going to close at 7 o'clock. And we look again at the clock and sign, and then Alex says, Come on, give me a break. And lame kid next to him says, Come on, Alex, look at the sign. And Alex looks again at it as Tate tells him, Last chance, bud. And a few excruciating seconds go by, and the clock ticks a minute to 6 o'clock. And a voice over the loudspeaker tells him that the Emporium is closing. And lame kid looks over saying, Oh man, no way you could have lost. And Tate's all, can't take a chance even when you know you're going to win, can you, Alex? Even when there's zero stakes. He's just like, hey, I bet you. 
that's, I mean, just be like, yeah, sure, whatever. If you lose, then it's just, whatever, I lost. I feel like this is just trying to, like, set up, I mean, obviously, that's the only thing it could be, is that it's trying to set up for, like, the ending showdown, but I just thought it was really dumb. It's setting up that he can't do anything. I think it's setting up that he won't take a bet unless he knows he can win, which is, like, because... I don't know. I don't want to spoil the ending or whatever, but he has to make a bet later because this episode is about gambling and um, he, he seems really confident in it. So I don't know. It's just like assuring that it's something that he knows for without a shadow of a doubt that he's going to win, even though this is the same situation. I mean, he's these kids live here. They live at this emporium of arcade glory and they know it closes at six. I'm sure he's been there till six like every single night. I don't know. There's a damn sign. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get it. But again, there's no stakes. No one's life is at risk here. They haven't offered up any money. Alex tells the kids that they gotta go home. A horrible voice over the loudspeaker tells them, Game over! And then it laughs at them. And then a guy walks up to Alex saying, You are a wise young man. Never let anyone pressure you into a game that you don't feel comfortable playing. It takes a certain type to be a gamesman. One who revels in the excitement of competition, thrives on the test of skill under pressure, and thrills to the fact that if they don't perform, they may lose it all. Anyway, this guy's super creepy. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable right now. He looks over at Tate, now saying, somebody like you. And he walks up to Tate saying, you never lose, do ya? And Tate's all, haven't yet, who are you? And the guy introduces himself as Mr. Click, and says, perhaps you'd rather have a more worthy opponent like myself. And Tate laughs saying, oh man, you got it. I'll take you on any of these games. And Click smiles, which does a lot. And Alex tells him, dude, he owns this place and these are his games. He'll kill you. And Tate says, ah, he's an old guy. I'll just kick his. And we look over at Click, who has a big smile on his face. And he just looks at the kid waiting for him to finish that sentence. And Tate just stutters out, "Uh, I'll do really well. I have a very hard time believing that they've never met this gentleman before. Yeah, same. Same, same, As same, you same, said same. before, they live here. And it's not a huge place. And he seems pretty hands-on. I have a very interesting question. And that is what I'm about to get to. Initiating question. Okay, so this is a very popular hangout for kids. And presumably these kids would tell their parents that they're here and they're playing video games. They'll be home at, you know, 6.30 or whatever. How long it takes for them to get home from 6 o'clock because it closes at 6 o'clock every day. But yeah. I feel like I've already spoiled the story enough. Mr. Click is evil, obviously, and you can tell by his smile. But he steals children. And um, I feel like this shit would get shut down super quick considering he's stealing them from an arcade. And people would know the last area that the child has been at. So how does he how does he get away with this? I mean, that's the same thing that's come up time and time again. At least in Pinball Wizard, you know, Mr. Uh, Mr. Olsen was in a giant mall. So it's not like they could be like, oh, it's in that ugly shop with two things in it, you know? But they have security cameras everywhere in malls. Oh, yeah, that's true, too, yeah. And with the quiet librarian, I mean, they went to the library and now they're dead. Yeah, the dots are there. They're actually connected for you. You just have to look at it. Besides that, too, like, Mr. Click looks like he would steal children. Yeah, definitely. If someone smiled at me like that, I would be like, where are you keeping the kids? (laughs) Well, Click tells him that if he triumphs, he'll allow him to run free at his emporium for a year. And Lame Kid thinks that shit is sweet. And Alex asks, what if he loses? 
And Click tells him then, then I take your thumbprint. And Tate's like, my thumbprint? And Click tells him it's a small risk, especially for someone as confident as you. And we cut to Alex who says, look, Tate, you know you can beat him, right? So you don't have to prove anything. Tate looks around a little and Mr. Click smiles in his face. And Tate nods saying, yeah, I can play free anytime. Which I don't know what that means, but... Alex tells the gang to go, and Click tells Tate, perhaps another time. And they walk past him and his smiling face, and we watch that smile, like, fade. It's really <laughs> he creepy. He smiles more than that girl from Locker 22. Oh my god, she was so high. What is up with this guy? <laughs> now we're in some sort of cage, and we see that lurch fellow from before. And he hunts around and then finds a piece of bread and starts snacking on it. And out of nowhere pops Mr. Click, who says, Climbo, finish loading the truck, now! And he slaps the bread out of this poor dude's hand, and Klimbo grunts and starts walking forward. But Click pushes a baseball bat up to his chest, saying, do not challenge me. So Klimbo walks aside and out of the cell, as Mr. Click tells him to prepare a new display, as he believes they'll soon be receiving another guest. Where the hell did he get a Klimbo? <laughs> I don't know. I thought like maybe... He's got tiny little kids, but where did he get this giant man, and why does he just have him? I cage. thought that he was a zombie a bit because Klimbo doesn't talk. He's just the muscle and he walks slowly and grunts. So I thought maybe he was the zombie from, you know, the zombie dice. <laughs> like he lost and now That's he's a zombie. optimistic of you. I don't know. To think I there mean, would that... be zombies in Tale of the Zombie Dice. <laughs> Spoilers. There's not. There's not at all. Unless you count Klimbo as a zombie, which he's not, but I don't know. He's just got like a... He just has a Klimbo. He's got a Klimbo, yeah. But we have a couple more characters to meet, so let's meet him. Mr. Click is played by Edward Yankee, who's been in a couple of other things like playing President Nixon in a movie called Pawn Sacrifice. He voiced oh. a character in Splinter Cell Conviction, and he was in that movie and shows I mentioned... Back in C7, I think, called Tales from the Neverending Story, which is a live action. Well, I mean, most of the Neverending Stories were live action, but it was from 2001. And it came after all three movies, and I'm, I'm kind of interested in knowing what it's about, but also I don't care. He wasn't in as much as I would expect because he is, um, he's creepy in this episode a lot, and mm -hmm. he's got a great smile for being a villain. And I don't know why he wasn't in anything else. No, I, I assumed he'd play in a lot of horror movies yeah that's what i thought when i clicked his imdb profile too klimbo is played by daniel skorzewski who hasn't been in anything since the hunger in 1999 and he was also in an episode of the mystery files of shelby Wu, and he was a sailor in the tv series sirens in 1994 pretty great stuff riveting did he play a zombie in any of those no no he did not the scene switches and we're back at school and Alex runs down some stairs to Tate who's walking up some stairs and he's got free movie passes and he asks Tate what he wants to go see. Tate tells him that he can't because he's going to clicks and Alex asks him why and Tate tells him that he challenged him and he can't back down. So Alex is all, listen, Tate, there's something seriously wrong with this guy and he wants your thumbprint. What's that about? And Tate's all, I don't know. But I'm going to find out. Alex asks him not to go, but Tate tells him, look, when someone challenges me, I got to take him on. That's just how I am. I'm not a granny like you. 
And he walks away from Alex, who just looks at him, and then it fades to the neon sign of Clicks Emporium. There's a lot of shade thrown at grandmothers in this episode. I'm not sure I'm a big fan of that. Well, there's a lot of shade thrown at grandmas, and also there's that Are You Afraid of the Dark thing where somebody's like, You chicken? And then they're like, Now I have to do it. Just like in, uh, well, there's too many episodes to to count, really, so. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of weird to be like, I'm not a weakling like you. I just give in easily to peer pressure. Mm, It's not a great look for children, but I don't know. I mean, it makes sense, I guess. Whatever. Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your gambling best friend. Thank you so much for finding us and giving our show a listen. Whether you're new this week or a longtime fan, we appreciate you spending time laughing with us. Are you looking for more laughs? Give us a follow on Instagram at Private Island Presents and Twitter at PRVT Island. We create a lot of content to go along with our show, like memes, GIFs, videos, and abridged episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark, condensed down into one minute or less and packed with jokes. We work hard to bring new content to Are You Afraid of the Dark that everyone can enjoy. On top of that, on Instagram, we watch full-length episodes of the show. Check our stories for times. We're coming close to the end of our Patreon-only giveaway, but there's still time to enter in. Entering is simple. Check out patreon.com slash private island and become a patron for as little as $1 a month. That's it. You'll be automatically entered in to win all of our giveaways, with this Patreon-only giveaway ending on October 1st. We've got the 2019 Are You Afraid of the Dark reboot on DVD, the Journey of Alan's Strange novel, vintage Rugrats coloring book, and more. So check it out and become a patron today. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth Heather, Angela, and Eddie, the Silver Goth Shane, Stephen, Matt, and newest patron Kaylee, the Golden Day Days Bryce, Faith, and Sarah, and the Platinum Bostics Kathy, Carly, and Evelyn. Thank you for your support, everyone. Our show wouldn't be the same without you. For a quick link to all of our social media accounts, the Facebook group, YouTube channel, and more, check the episode description for the Linktree link. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Dating Start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. Now I'd like to play the promo for Channel 34, a sketch comedy podcast with quick, hilarious, bite-sized episodes. My name is Marty Hatchet. Friends call me Dennis Lunchtime. You can call me whatever you please. Just don't call me a liar, because I'm trying to save your skin here, youngin. How do I know all this about this tree, you want to ask? I know more about this and any other tree than any person could ever care to. I know firsthand what a threat trees pose to the world. An oak can drop as many as 10,000 acorns a year. You know what was here before people? Trees. You know what'll be around long after we're gone unless somebody does something about it? That's right, now you're getting it. Tree Slayer. Available only on Channel 34 Sketch Comedy Radio. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. For now, I'll let you get back to the show, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye, everyone.
We see Tate at the bar and he's drinking a tall glass of the dew when up walks Mr. Click, which startles Tate, even though that's what he's there for. And it's Click's Emporium. Mr. Click asks if he's feeling more confident and Tate stands up saying that he's got the confidence to beat him and asks him to name his game. And Click's face lights up with a smile and he says, Splendid, my game is Zombie Dice. Sounds boring, but okay. Yeah. Tate shrugs and stands up and we see that he has left his backpack for Alex to find later, I guess. We cut to Click's office and he closes the door behind him as Uh, Tate says, Abort, abort. Yeah, yes. And Tate says that it looks like a fun house. And then he, which is really stupid because, dude, you're in a you're in an arcade, so I'm sure that the office would look entertaining too, don't you think? It'd be on brand. Then he asks where the goofy mirrors are. And I thought for sure we were going to get a Zebo reference, but we didn't. No, no references so far. Click calls him clever, and Tate asks where the zombie game is. And Click walks up to him saying, if you notice, that one side of each shows a red skull. And we get a close-up of some dice, and they have a red skull on them. And he says, you roll the dice three times, and if a skull appears even once, then you lose. If not, you win. And that is the worst game I've ever heard. Yeah, that's lame as hell. Super boring. It's a six-sided dice, and one of the six sides has a skull on it. The other five sides are blank. It'd be like if Yahtzee sucked way more (laughs) i thought you loved yahtzee i do love yahtzee okay i was gonna say i knew i know my brandon and i'm pretty sure he (laughs) loves yahtzee yeah yahtzee's the best if mr click invited me into his creepy office to play yahtzee i i might go (laughs) you know i don't think that we've ever actually played yahtzee before have we We haven't i think you just played it with your family (laughs) I'm down for some Yahtzee. You want to play, play Yahtzee you. right now? I'll play Yahtzee right now, Brandon. Right. I'll get Fuck my webcam. Podcast. I'll point it right at my dice, and I'll I'll throw cups. I'm going to get my cup out so I can shimmy shake my dice. I have, like, a super fancy cup. I have all these Dungeons & Dragons dice, so I am ready for Yahtzee. Oh, damn. I wonder if there's a version of Yahtzee with multi-sided dice. We could get extreme in here and do D20s oh, for Yahtzee, shit. okay? We got to come up with our... House rules. Tate calls that shit out saying that's total luck. And Click agrees saying, indeed. And Tate tells him, forget it. And he thought that they were going to play a real game. And he starts to walk away. And Mr. Click says, we are. The game is to see if you have the nerve to play or if you're a coward. Like your friend. And that, of course, stops him. And he turns around saying, you're on, bud. And your Emporium is going to be mine for a year. And Mr. Click hands him the dice saying, or your thumbprint will be mine forever. Tate walks up to the big purple table and he tosses the dice. And they land up on blanks and he fist pumps. Click hands him the dice again. He throws them again. Another two blanks and he's oh, like, yeah. yeah! Two down, one more, and this place is mine, bud. He throws the dice a final time in slow-mo. And the dice spin around all dramatically. And they land, of course, on skull side up. And Mr. Click looks over at him with his mouth open like he's catching flies. <laughs> And Tate tells him that this game is stupid. And Mr. Click's all, nevertheless, a wager is a wager, and it's time for you to settle. And he puts his hand in a dragon's head on the wall, which opens up a secret room behind his dresser. And Tate asks, what's in there? How many chances do you have to escape this situation, and you don't take it? I was, you know, I thought that at the end of this episode. I was like, you know, this isn't, like, legal... In, in any regard, he could just be like, 
yeah, never mind. I'm out of here. Like, I lost, and I don't really care. I just won't come back to this stupid emporium. Bye. Yeah. There's nothing like, binding I don't want, him to go. I don't want to go into your office alone. I'm a young boy. Like, I'll we can just play one of the games out here. I mean, you could just bring those dice out here. We don't need that dumb table in your office. Yeah, that table's pretty cool, though. It's like a uh, pool table, but purple. So <laughs> Yeah, it, the table's cool, but the game consists entirely of two dice. You can throw those anywhere. It's true, it's true. And then when he, once he opens the creepy hidden wall... Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's like five steps too far. Well, Click tells him that he'll find a pedestal where he can press his thumb. And Tate takes a step in and then turns around saying that shit was lame and that he wants a real game. And Click says goodbye and he closes the door in his face. <laughs> he doesn't protest at all. No, he doesn't. He closes him in a room, a hidden room <laughs> in his office. And he's just like, well, that's, you know, got to get my thumb scanned. It's really creepy, especially considering we're both parents, and I just don't like it. I don't like it. Mm-mm. So the door closes, and uh, Mr. Click sarcastically calls him Bud, because uh, Tate had been calling him Bud, like, the whole episode. So, you know, he's got to throw that in his, well, I'd say his face, but he's already gone, so never mind. Tate walks down some steps saying, hey, yo, who's supposed to tell me what to do? And he gets startled because Klimbo stops him and points. And Tate's all, okay, Frankenstein, whatever. And walks the way that he pointed. And we see Klimbo open up that half circle thing again. And Tate asks if this is where he puts his thumbprint. And Klimbo nods. And Tate is about to put his thumb down. But he looks up at Klimbo saying, he really needs to go get some sun. And Klimbo grunts. And then he puts his thumb down for just a second saying, alright, I'm done. I'm out of here. And he tries to walk away, but his thumb is stuck on the table. And he tries to get it off and asks what the deal is. And Click walks out of nowhere saying, the deal is you're going on a little trip. And he smiles. There's a bright light and Tate is vaporized. And Click says, you see, I have buyers from all over the world who will pay a handsome price for such unique pets. And he opens up a little compartment under the table and we see Tate is in a tiny cage and he's shrunken. And Click laughs at him a whole bunch. Who wants tiny people? Dude, weirdos. I can only imagine it's weirdos. Like, human trafficking is already a thing. And full-size people are way more useful. Yeah, well, human trafficking is honestly, like, the scariest thing. (laughs) When you think about it. Yeah, I try not to think about it, which might be selfish of me, but I can't, you know, because then I'd just be sitting in my room rocking back and forth, being anxious and paranoid all day. And I can't have that. I mean, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, this is human trafficking on a children's scale, I think, because like, I mean, a kid would be like, oh, they're going to shrink us down and sell us as pets, not oh, they're going to sell us to do a sex slave (laughs) operation, you know? I mean, I don't know what they're doing with those little people. You mean the little people in the story or the little kids in real life? No, the little people in the story. They're, okay, they are feeding them and watering them and have, you know, watching them run on their wheel, duh. (laughs) What a weird way to get to shrinking a child, though, you know? Like, what's this thumbprint nonsense? I don't know, it's like scanners. Doesn't make much sense to me. I like to imagine that there's some uh, child in real life that is terrified of the idea of giving them, like, giving anybody their thumbprint now, though. <laughs> They're, like, traumatized. Yeah, I'm sure every episode. episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark has traumatized someone for life. Like, yeah, being scared of the water, 
after Dead Man's Float. Like, yeah, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Some kids are scared of clowns, but someone yeah, some kids are scared of jukeboxes. It's just like, nope, not giving my <laughs> fingerprints. I ain't being tiny. We cut to commercial, and back from it, we see Alex and that lame kid from before walking down to the Emporium, and lame kid says that he isn't here and that it's closed since it's 6 o'clock. Alex looks around and spots Tate's backpack saying, Oh man, Mr. Click is such a weirdo. <laughs> Which is so Yep. True. They all know it. Anybody with a sense of stranger danger knows, but... I mean, you just need to see him smile. It's true. That is more than enough. We look over and we see Lame Kid is screwing around with something. So Alex runs up and yells at him. And Lame Kid suggests Alex go in the back to look. But Alex tells him no. So the kid calls him a weenie and gets up to go. But Alex stops him saying, no, stay. And the kid's all, what am I, a dog? And Alex tells him, yes, you're a dog. Don't move. And he goes to the back room. And he opens up the door and it slams behind him. And he takes a few steps and looks around. Then calls for Mr. Click. And he looks over and he sees Tate's vest, which it took me a really long time to think of the word for that article of clothing for some reason. (laughs) How many different things did you go through before you got to vest? Like four. (laughs) I was like, coat? No. Hoodie? Obviously not. Like flannel? No. (laughs) Cardigan? (laughs) I just forget about vests because in my opinion... They don't do anything. (laughs) Yeah, vests should be forgotten. I see people in vests, and I'm like, what's the point? Like, my arms are the ones that get cold first, so... (laughs) This has no arms. Like, your core is fine. I don't know. I could have a whole talk show podcast talking about vests. (laughs) Anyway, he picks it up saying, oh, man... And then he throws that down and is about to leave when the lights dim from a button that he accidentally presses and it freaks him out. And then he pushes the button again and he sees the doorway to the secret lair. So he moves the dresser aside and walks on down. Down here he looks around some more and sees like a hamster ball on a table. Like it has, um, I don't know, like food dishes or something. Like it's it's stuff that he puts inside the cages so that, you know, the kids can like get their exercise or whatever. Yeah. I'm glad he you know, they're getting their exercise. <laughs> it's very important. But then Klimbo groans at him and he flips the table and Alex grabs a chain near his head which shoots steam in Klimbo's face. It all happens really quickly and I'm not really sure what happens. I'm not sure how Alex knew how to do that. Yeah, he doesn't even react. He just grabs the chain and pulls it down and like steam or fog. I mean, it's obviously not steam, but it shoots in Klimbo's face and he just knew that was going to happen. Alex runs away and further into the warehouse area until he runs up to a gate and we see the thumbprint device. And Klimbo stops near it and Alex looks around seeing Tate in a very small prison because Tate is stuck in like a box prison. And then Alex Moon walks into Klimbo and out pops Click saying they were all so confident, so sure that they could beat the odds. And Alex asks what he did to Tate and Click tells him that he wanted his thumbprint. And when you take someone's thumbprint, you own them. I don't think that's true. No, and I don't think when you own, like, I don't know. It's all very dumb in my opinion. It's a very big stretch on how to shrink a child. Just like in Forever Game, like... The Woods ended up being a board game, like a arcade thumbprint scanner turns kids into shrunken kids. I don't know. I don't know how they get to it, but whatever. 
He says that he makes a fortune selling his little friends as, mm, what's the best way to put it? Pets. Virtual pets. Diggers. No. <laughs> Alex is all pets. And then Click yells at Klimbo to get back to work, screaming for him to go, and then kind of whispers to Alex that he's as strong as an ox, but not nearly as intelligent. He'll be joining my little menagerie soon. Alex has had enough of this shit and starts to walk away, but Click calls him out on running away from his friend and that he's a coward. And Alex takes a few steps back asking what's going to happen to him, and Click says that he has a buyer in Australia. Guilty. <laughs> I was gonna. Jeez, you didn't even let me ask if that was you. And he he adds in that Tate should like it down there if he survives the journey because not all of these kids survive their journeys, which is ridiculous. If I'm buying a kid, I want it to be alive, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're insured. Alex runs after Click, yelling, "Let him go!" But Click grabs Tate's little prison, saying that he lost the wager and it's only fair. However, there is a way that you could save him if you're willing to take a chance. We zip up back with Lame Kid upstairs and we see that he's eating a snack and drinking some Mountain Dew for some reason. I think it's just reminding us that he's there. I don't know why. I don't know. It's a very pointless scene. Back with Click and Alex there, back in his office by that purple table. And Click tells him three rolls. If you win, I give you your friend back. If you lose, your thumbprint will be mine. And Alex tells him, I don't know, I don't gamble. And Click sits down the box containing Tate saying, then maybe it's time you started if you care about your friend. And Alex looks at it, then at the dice and says, wait, if this is fair, you roll. And Click looks offended saying, you don't trust me? And Alex tells him, no. (laughs) The child slave trader? (laughs) Mr. Click says, same rules, except no skulls you win, skulls show I win. And Click accepts and walks over and he throws the dice and they land on blanks. Alex blinks slowly, then hands him the dice again, and Click smiles and rolls them in his hands and then throws them down. They land on blanks again, and Click smiles, saying, This is exciting, no? And Alex hands him the dice once more. He rolls them around in his hands and he's blowing on them and he's smiling and it's really stupid. And Alex gets impatient with his acting and tells him to just throw the fucking dice. So Click does, and we get another slow motion of the dice rolling around on the table. And they land for the third time on blanks. And Click smiles all wide. And then from behind, Alex, Klimbo grabs him. As he tells him, no, come on, I've never gambled before in my life. And Click says that you won't again. See ya. Why this whole song and dance with the gambling anyway? Well, spoilers, moral of the story is gambling's bad. Yeah, but this guy seems like he might not be above just taking these kids. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. What's the difference? I don't know. Maybe it's the thrill of it. There's really not any thrill of it because even if the kids won, he could just be like, yo, Klimbo, go grab this kid. Exactly. I don't know, man. Alex breaks free from Klimbo and and says, double or nothing. And Click says, you want me to roll again? And Alex looks around saying, no, I want to try a different game. And Click's like, you got nothing more to wager. And Alex tells him, yes, I do. If I win, Tate and I go free. And Click asks if he loses. And Alex says, if I lose, you can have my little brother. And that's Uh, when it clicked that lame kid is Alex's brother. Hey, like, don't do that. Well, that's the only thing he could wager. Because, like, when he said, you know, double or nothing, I was... I was thinking to myself, like, what are you supposed to wager? You already lost. Like, there's nothing more that you have. So it's like literally the only thing he's got. And let's be honest, Alex's little brother sucks anyway. 
oh, he definitely sucks. But if I was just hanging out in an arcade and my brother came up and he was like, sorry, I lost you in a game of dice. <laughs> uh, come on. Well, you could just run away, don't you think? No. We cut over to the main area. Alex's brother is behind the bar and there's two big glasses and one smaller glass of Mountain Dew down. Alex is face to face with Click and Click says that he doesn't understand. And Alex tells him, see, I'm not very good at games, but there's one thing I'm pretty good at. I say I can drink these two mugs of soda before you can drink that one small glass. And little bro tells him that he's nuts. And Alex says, all I want is a head start. You can't pick up your glass until I finish one mug and put it back down. And Click thinks there's there's a trick, but Alex tells him that he can't touch his glass and Click can't touch either of his mugs. And little bro asks what he bet him, and Alex is all, uh, don't ask. Oh, brother. Click agrees to the wager, but only if he makes it three mugs. And the kids are like, what? And Click says, three mugs, take it or leave it. So Alex thinks about it for a second, nods his head and says, then you gotta raise the stakes. And Click asks, how so? And Alex is all, if I win, we go free. But then I get your thumbprint. And Click smiles and agrees. And Little Bro's all, all right. Even though he doesn't know what's happening. And he walks away to grab another mug. Yeah, he's like, if I win, we go free. If I was the little brother, I'd be like, wait, what? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> nah, you'd be like, all right, let's get his thumbprint. I don't know what that could possibly <laughs> do. Cool. We can incriminate him in a break-in or something. I don't know. Alex asks again if he gets a head start, and Click agrees, adding in, no one touches the other's glasses. Alex agrees, and he picks up the first mug and starts drinking. Click smiling, saying that he's got to drink the others a little bit faster than that, and Alex finishes his mug, saying, ready? Click's all, if you are, and Alex sets down his big mug over top of Click's glass. And Click looks down like, what? <laughs> so when he was explaining the rules i thought that he was going to pick up the first mug drink it and then not set it down and grab his other mugs and drink all those and be like oh you can't grab yours until i set this one down yeah there was obviously going to be a trick involved but mm -hmm. yeah i didn't see that one coming either yeah I was. but like, that's oh, when okay. click should have just been like climbo move this <laughs> mug <laughs> you never said other people couldn't touch it that's true. That's true. And then chugged it down. And then he's just like, oh, uh, bro, we're slaves now. <laughs> uh, well, little brother tells him, oh, yeah, you can't touch his glass. Those are the rules. He's going to finish before you. And Click stammers out, a, that's not fair. You said I can't. And Alex, finishing his second mug, says, oh, it's fair, all right. You agreed. And Bro says, you're done, pal, and gives his brother a high five. And Click's all like, I won't allow this. You're winning under false pretenses. You're, you're, and Tate comes walking out from the back room saying, I'll tell you what he is. He's the winner and you lose. And Click's all surprised, asking Tate how he escaped. And Tate thinks Alex saying that he's not such a granny after all. And Alex burps saying, oh, I'm a granny, a really smart granny. How did Tate get out of there? Was it Klimbo? I don't know. This isn't like Ursula from The Little Mermaid where there's like a signed contract or whatever, like a magical piece of paper that they had to sign. So I, I don't understand. As soon as he lost the game, all of the people that he turned little just turned normal sized. Wherever they were. <laughs> in a shipping crate. <laughs> in a shipping crate, in a tiny little fish tank. 
<laughs> Click gets pissed saying that he refuses to accept this and runs to his back room. Alex tells the kids that he isn't getting away that easily and chases after her. In the back room, we see Click open up a secret warehouse thing, and then he closes it before Alex can get inside. In the secret area, Click runs down the stairs, telling Klimbo to grab the truck around since they're getting out. And he grabs a hat and some glasses on a table, and then some papers, and he turns around to yell at Klimbo to get the truck. And Klimbo growls and walks over to him slowly. In the back room, Alex is still trying to open up the secret door. Back downstairs, Klimbo is walking up on Click menacingly, and the kids finally all bust downstairs to a blinding light. They run over to the middle of the room where the thumbprint machine is, and out walks Klimbo with a top hat and glasses on. And little bro asks, whoa, what was that? And Alex asks Klimbo where Mr. Click is, and he grabs a small little box from the table saying, game's over. And he smiles. And the kids just kind of watch him as he leaves the room. And then we get a voiceover from Van saying, no one ever played a game in Click's Emporium again. The end. I think Klimbo looks dapper as fuck there at the end. He sure does. He's a stylish man. Do you think, like, them winning the game from Mr. Click unzombified Klimbo? I don't know. I don't know what his game is. It doesn't make any sense to me. No. It's like the story elements, like like you said earlier, the the woods leading to a board game and a dice game leading to tiny people. It's almost like they created these stories just throwing darts at a dartboard with, yeah. you know, story ideas on it and just combining them. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense no. when you think about it. And that's kind of what we're getting out of this. We had fortune cookies leading to it's a wonderful life. And that was really weird. And yeah, I think that's the problem with season six so far is that they're just, they don't know how to write a cohesive story. Mm. It's not bad. No. And I will argue that it's kind of how a child would tell a story around a campfire. Yeah. I'd like to see just kind of a straightforward story told. Well, yeah. Maybe you do another vampire story, even though we've had like five, or another ghost story, but just, you know, just do it well. There's still a lot of episodes to go, so I don't know. Hopefully this this trend won't continue. And if it does, I mean, it's not the worst thing. No, it's creative at the very least. Yeah. It's not yeah. something I would think of. I would never get bike riding in the woods going to board games. That will forever be like the weirdest conclusion to board games ever. I don't think I have anything really more to say about this episode, though. I mean, the ending is kind of weird. I mean, what happens to all the other kids that have already been shipped? What happened to the kid at the beginning? Like, did they even have time to ship him out to Canada or the United States or anything? Like, No, he was in someone's mailbox and then blew up. <laughs> yeah, all these kids are just like, I'm regular size now, and then the people that own them are just like, well, you're still a child, so I still own you. Like, It's not a happy ending for anybody. With the Midnight Society, Megan says that that story was amazing, and Tucker loves the furniture, and then says that Quinn likes it a little too much. And we see Quinn sleeping away on the couch, and Andy pantomimes them walking away. And the kids all get up and leave Quinn to sleep alone in the woods, with the campfire still going <laughs> Yeah, this face tucked sweetly into the urine. <laughs> yeah. 
He talks a little in his sleep about not wanting to go to school, and then the episode is over. Um, moral of the story is, I, I it's pretty clear, like, don't gamble, especially as a child. The moral is don't gamble unless you're going to cheat. Mm, yeah. Then gamble away. I think that is a good moral. It's also, like, the moral should be don't go into the back room alone with an adult when you're 11 years old and he wants to do you harm. Yeah, smart. The tale of the zombie dice, though. I think we can come up with a better name than that. What was zombie dice about it? That's just what he called the the, the dice. He's like, oh, these are my zombie dice because they got two red skulls on them. Skeleton dice. Mm -hmm. Skull dice. Bone dice. I think that the tale of the backdoor, the tale of the pedophile, the tale of the slave trade, uh, the tale of the arcade. Tale of the gambling granny. That's perfect. I don't think there's a better name for it. A tale of the Mountain Dew bar. <laughs> I tried. Tale of the Indian in the cupboard. Mm. Why is it the second time we've mentioned that on this podcast? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't like it, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it's the last time. Now I feel like it's not going to be. Hey, it's not like it's we're back. Mm. Roll back the rock. All right. Um, do you want to know what next, what the next episode is going to be? Please. Uh, okay. The next episode is called the tale of the gruesome gourmets. (laughs) (sighs) These titles, I'm telling you, they don't fill me with confidence. Well, who do you think is going to be telling us the tale of the gruesome gourmets? I mean, is it too obvious to say Andy? No, because I'm going to say Andy, too. (laughs) Like, why wouldn't it be Andy? He already told one about cookies. It's Andy. He's like, this one's all about food, you guys. He's eating his candy bars and stuff. And just like, I'm starving. Get your own. (laughs) Uh, What do you think the tale of the gruesome gourmets is going to be about? (sighs) Uh, There's uh, two restaurants. The, mm-hmm. the chefs of both restaurants are very competitive. They're right across the street from each other. Yeah. Uh, the the businesses are both doing well, but they're always trying to get one up on each other. Uh, so they both sabotage the other restaurant and start killing their customers. Yeah. And event and they they want to hide the fact that customers are dying in their restaurant, so they take the bodies and Where's the children in this episode? <laughs> There's no children. This is an all adult episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is okay. This is potentially the second restaurant themed episode this season, then. <sighs> that dart just hit bullseye both times. I think you're right that it's going to be, like, chefs competing or something. I, honestly, I think this might just be Soylent Green, but um, as a children's Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. But if season six has taught us anything, it's going to start out like, I don't know, a basketball game in Antarctica and then end up <laughs> with two chefs eating people on the moon. <laughs> yep, yep. I think it's going to be... I, actually, maybe it'll be more like The Stuff. It'll be like some sort of parasite. No, that would... No, it's got to be a gruesome gourmet. It has to be chefs. It has to be. 
And there's got to be at least two of them, I would think. I don't know, man. Do you want to find out what this is on, on IMDb? Yeah. All right. The Tale of the Gruesome Gourmets has a 3.0 out of 10 from 461 reviews. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah, that means nothing. Whatever. I'm looking forward to it, though. It's going to be so much fun. This episode I, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> oh, man. But you know what, Brandon? For now, I'm going to bed. I'm kind of hungry. I might eat something after that delicious title name, but then I'm off to sleep. All right. I'll talk to you in a week for the tale of the gruesome gourmets. Can't wait. Yeah, right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.